this week on a lively experiment. The primary is over, now on to the general election. We'll have a full recap of all the races with a look ahead to the marquee matchups in November. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS. Joining us with the analysis, Sue Sienke, chairwoman of the Rhode Island Republican Party, political strategist Rob Horowitz, and Boston Globe columnist Dan McGowan. Welcome to this week's Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. Well, it was the only race that provided some drama on Tuesday night. Helena Folks took an early lead as the results came in. But as the night wore on, Governor Dan McKee overtook her with a strong showing of nail ballots and early voting. Within hours, Republican challenger Ashley Kalis went on the offensive, previewing what is likely to be a bruising campaign. We'll get to that momentarily. Dan, you and I had three quality hours together on the radio. And, you know, we could see it play that it looked tight and we weren't quite sure. And then kind of the floodgate opens for Dan McKee. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, Governor McKee always knew kind of what he had to do to win this race, right? Had to be strong in his own kind of backyard, the Blackstone Valley. Had to be strong among the mayors. Uh, you know, the, the Charlie Lombardis of the world. Um, and then the sneaky thing about Dan McKee has always done pretty well in South Providence, right? He's he, having been a basketball coach, having kind of worked in those communities. Dan McKee punches above his weight among black and Latino voters. He showed that in this, in this race. You know, he finished second in Providence. Nelly Gorbea won Providence, but he got a lot of votes there. It was just enough to put him over the top. Certainly, you know, nothing surprised me um, because Helena folks forgot when the when the election was, when the primary was. She waited way too late. When she entered the race, I said, this uh, woman is very well qualified. She'd make a great governor. Uh, she had a lot of potential, but she just waited too late to start punching. So nothing surprised me. I mean, it's very hard to beat someone that holds the office of governor. You know, he spent the summer. Um, handing out money. Uh, certainly at all these b bill signatures, he waited all summer. He did one at the Pawtucket Valley, uh, you know, the canoe races. He waited, waited, waited. <laughs> the and bill was signed in May. Yes. Oh, let's sign it three yeah. weeks from the election, right? So, like, I think they were it, signing multiple bills the same time, like same, same time, bills. All <laughs> summer long he was doing that. So he was getting all that earned media. He was out there. So his name was out there. She just waited way too late. And then Nellie, the, the last week, we anticipated Nellie certainly looked like she was going to have a strong showing, and then she just shot herself in the foot, you know, the last week. Yeah, I think you got to give Helena folks a lot of credit. I don't know that she waited too late. I think she, she came Should she from, have gone negative earlier? It, I don't think so. It's a four-way race, first of all. So if, we, if you go negative, her job one is to establish yourself. If you go negative, the votes don't necessarily go to you. What, what happened in the race is simply, as, as um, the chairwoman said, is, is Nellie collapsed in the last 10 days, so, so folks picked up the vote. It wasn't that if she worked harder on the mail ballots or the early voting that would have made any difference because she wasn't in a position to capitalize then. But if you look at a race, a four-way race, two women in the race, she can, comes within a whisker of beating the incumbent governor who, who is, was very fortunate to win and only won because it was a four-way race. I, I think, you know, she's a rising star. Yeah, but it's hard. I mean, Rob... She spent $4 million to win mm -hmm. 30,000 votes. I mean, that's a lot of money that got spent. 
And while you're right, I, I agree with you 100% that I don't think the mail ballots in the early voting made all that much of a difference, but it should have, right? In, in, in her case, if she starts earlier, to Sue's point, then maybe she gets into a place where she's, you know, where she's better off heading into the final stretch. You know what I think she started plenty early. It's just the dynamics of the race changed. Mm -hmm. So, I, 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 and I think it's easy to second guess the strategy, but in a race when you come within an inch, and if she started earlier and went negative earlier, someone else could That's have benefited. Fair, fair. She, 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 she did the only thing she could do. Um, the governor just escaped, and admittedly spent a lot of money to do it. Governor escaped by the hair of his chinny chin chin. You can't look at, you know, it's very easy to look at the race and go, I could have gotten a thousand votes one way or the other. That's, that, and by the way, three weeks out, everyone thought she was going to finish third. But let's look at the, the numbers of the overall race. There was only 110,000 people that showed up and voted in that Democratic primary. That is the lowest vote title, vote, vote total in uh, Democratic and contested Democratic primary since 1994. It meant that there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm for any of those Democratic candidates. So let's pull up the map. We uh, have WPRI put together this great map. And uh, Dan, let's, let's go over this. We saw this play out in full time. The red clearly, I mean, sorry, the blue is Governor McKee and then the orange is Helena Folks and just a little bit of Nellie Gorbea. And yeah. it reinforces what you said. Well, what you'd love to see, uh, I'd love to see kind of a heat map of this because you'll see it even more if you were to see, you know, how strong Dan McKee did in, in, in certainly some of the Blackstone Valley neighbor places, things like that. What I was surprised by, Nellie Gorbea historically has done very well in the suburbs. You know, she's done she's done well in the Barrington. She lives in NK. She right? lives in North Kingstown. Um, and Helena Folks, I think, as part of, you know, Nellie Gorbea kind of collapsing. Helena really capitalized she on that. She smoked the governor in, in Barrington, in East Greenwich, in South Kingstown. We were pulling that up on election night. Were you surprised by that? I was I was surprised because I thought that it would be, I actually thought Nellie would still hold relatively strong in some of those places where, again, she's been really popular. I wasn't surprised that Governor McKee uh, didn't perform all that well. Those are never going to be places that he's going to, you know, sort of <clears throat> a little bit more of, I, I always say, the elites. They're not going to, they were never going to love Dan McKee, with all respect to you, because you're from East Greenwich. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, you know, so, I, I thought that that was going to flip towards Nellie Gorbea. You know, that is her home base, yeah. and um, it didn't. They were very impressed with uh, Helena. So before we go to uh, Ashley Kalis, any final thoughts on the primary? I think Sue just made a good point. If, in a, and again, I'm, I didn't work for, for uh, Helena, folks. I've, I've got no brief here. But, but if you had a normal, another 10, 15,000 votes, they probably weren't going to the governor. As much so, some of some of some of what the governor benefited by, and I don't know if we'll get into that. Some of what I think the Osa benefited by too. I don't know if we'll talk about that later. Was was the, the relatively low turnout because because his organizational advantages in, in a lower turnout race become more important. So now we head on, and I saw Ashley Kalis had an ad up the next day, ready to go. So it's a sprint now. It's a sprint to the finish, and she's a fighter, so she's going to bring up everything, the lies, the scandals, the, the fact that he's the 50th uh, most popular, or least popular, he's terrible, um, polling across the country. Everything that he's been embroiled in from the ILL FBI uh, investigation, his two chiefs of staff that no longer work there, we're going to talk about his policies. Are they any good? We're going to talk about Tidewater. He was the... Uh, you know, the tiebreaker in that. We're going to talk about the Superman building. We're going to talk about, you know, what what his budget, what were his priorities? Are they any good? And is it moving Rhode Island any, any faster forward? 
It's going to be interesting because, and we talked about this the other night, Dan, for the first time in a long time, there's no Bob Healy, there's no Ken Block, there's no somebody who's real, with all due respect to the independent candidates and the libertarian, <coughs> that it's going to be, you're going to have to get close to pretty over 50% to win the race. Yes, How does that change the dynamic of the race? Well, it's going to be a little bit refreshing to be able to see that, right? To have potentially the winner actually get 50% of the vote. I know Gina Raimondo did in, in 18, but she certainly didn't, uh, you know, in 14. Obviously, Link Chafee before that didn't didn't pull that off. So that's going to be just nice to see that the, the you know, a, a true majority will likely decide the race. Um, I think it, it's hard. Dan McKee in a Democratic primary had the challenge of, uh, high floor, low ceiling, right? She, he was, Dan McKee was never going to get into the 40s or the high 40s. Um, I think he faces a similar challenge now, although, you know, Democrats come home. I, I wouldn't expect him to get blown out by Ashley Kalis. I think you would agree. This is a race that will be very, that, that can be very close. Um, but Ashley Kalis has a really good chance here. She's somebody who's, she can run back the Helena Folks campaign and potentially, in theory, in a more successful way. She's going to be more aggressive, I think, than Helena Folks was in terms of trying to, you know, show differences and also go pretty negative. Um, and so that, this is going to be the a, a real battle for uh, Governor McKee. It's and not she, a cakewalk. And she's in good shape financially because she had more than a half a million dollars. The governor clearly had to deplete. And so now he's got a lock and load on fundraising, which should be okay because he's the nominee now, right? Yes. But what does Dan McKee have to do? He, he, in effect, sloughed that off, all of the stuff that the other candidates tried to throw at him. But it's going to be a little bit more focused now with Ashley Kalis. I think that's true, and I think the race will be competitive. I, I don't think calling him the least popular governor in the country, with all respect, is is, uh, is voters don't care about that. Um, but he does. Don't but, they? they don't. <laughs> I think no. they do. Well, I think they don't. But 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 they. You know but, why? But why is he? Because his policies are terrible. That's a He's different. He's done a terrible that's a job. Right. That's a different argument. I don't agree with it, but that's a different argument. But his 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 relatively mediocre approval rating means that he is he is somewhat vulnerable. On the other hand, just as the national picture has improved some for Democrats, he's going to benefit from that. Rhode Island has very low unemployment. Um, he's taking on the climate challenge. Everything I hear from the Republicans is, uh, what's climate change? Um, is that a real thing? Um, Ashley Callis, in her one real public moment there early in January, I'm sure they're going to get to this, and she is relative, still relatively undefined. Um, did not exactly hit the Hemingway definition of courage, which is grace under pressure, when she got in a whole big fight with a westerly police officer, which is one of, uh, around her company, which had how many complaints against it? So, so the, the negatives go both ways, and, and the key is more defined. I do think it's going to be a very competitive race. I think either one of them can win. I'd give a slight advantage to the governor. You want to I, respond I, to that? You know, I, I agree with both the gentlemen that it's going to be a competitive race. I think Ashley is a smart, successful businesswoman that she is going to bring the fire to this race. I want to get to the other races, but, Dan, it, it, it's always and, bothered. Go you ahead. Know, and I, I want to talk about uh, Dan's attitude when he won and the phone call when he said hang up on her. I think that that shows his true character, and I think that particularly among women voters, when I've, when I've talked about that, they are were very offended on what on he did. On the phone call? And, and not in the heat of the moment. I'm sorry. It's very exciting. We were all very excited when we did it. I stopped when our nominee wasn't in there. There's absolutely no excuse for that. So please don't say anything about, oh, Dan McKee, I'm sorry. That was so offensive. Uh, 
Uh, it was offensive, okay. and it upsets me when when you guys try to say, "Oh, you know, he did the moment." Don't even go there. I, I wasn't going to go there, but, okay. but, 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 <laughs> but now he's especially not going to go there. <laughs> no, no, that that made me want to go there, but I'm not no. going to go there. Don't actually, go there. <laughs> I'm, no, not, I'm, go I'm not going to go. Fair there. warning. It, it, was, it wasn't go a good there. moment. It they, wasn't. It, Rhode Island folk law. We're going to talk about this forever. Uh, I hear, it was his Howard Dean. It was his Howard Dean moment. You can talk about it forever. I am. It wasn't a good moment. Helene and him had a conversation. In the next day, in the, in the big context of the race, in the big context of the race, it's not that important. And if you're going to judge somebody by a moment, what's the most public moment? Um, you, you just may be setting yourself here. What's the most public moment actually Callis had when she was when she was in the heat of the moment or whatever is, is when she, she, she got actually, in a big argument with a not, westerly. She was not running for governor uh, then. He's she was governor. about to run for governor. No, she, she, she was in a public contract mm -hmm. and she got in a big fight with a westerly police officer and had to be removed from a building. All right, finally, before we move on, I, it's always kind of bothered me. I know this is what they do. Everybody beats the hell out of each other and then it's kumbaya. Now, we haven't seen the unity thing like we always used to see at the arcade, but what does that say to the voters? I mean, in some ways, Democrats are going to say, well, who are you going to vote for? The Democrat, even if you have to hold your nose, or are you going to vote for the Republican? But it's always kind of bothered me that, so do folks and, and Gorbea getting behind McKee matter that much or well, not? I mean, Democrats tend to come home just as Republicans tend to come home. Whenever there's these debates on the Republican side, it's like, you know, do you like Trump, do you not? You all end up together for the most part anyway. I'm not sure that it matters other than to send a big message. It used to matter a lot more when I, I quite frankly, when the visual on television, let's say, I think was a big deal. You know, you get the, all the TV cameras here, you know, at the, at the arcade, to your point, and they, they show everybody working together. And look, most Democrats are probably going to vote Democrat. Uh, and, and the question is, is, is Ashley Kalis going to be able to appeal to enough independents? Um, Dan McKee, though, is strong among independents. That's, that's kind of his path to victory, typically, right? It's a more conservative, moderate Democrat. Uh, his, his, the question now for him is, can he appeal to kind of the far, the, the far left of the party? Are they going to be willing to come out, or are they going to stay home because their guys lost? All right, general treasurer race. I, I was surprised. Robbie, you and I were talking about this on the way in. I mean, Stephen Pryor really got smoked. By Diosa, you really have confidence in your candidate, James Lathrop, and we haven't heard a lot from him yet. Yeah, you know, he's not a politician. He's certainly a financial professional. Well, he is now that he's running for treasurer. Well, <laughs> certainly, he stepped into the race. He's certainly the one that I think everybody has to look at. Um, he is the most qualified for that position. James Diorza talks about this fantasy that he got Central Falls out of bankruptcy. He did not. He came in after it. I look at him as if he's the JV of mayors because he did didn't even have control over the entire budget. He had 80% of that budget is the school budget that is run by the state. It is not run by Central Falls. He had a little piece. He gets on TV and he says, I know nothing about investments. I don't even have a 401k. Well, why are you running for treasurer then? Because that is such a large portion of your job. He says, I'm going to leave it to the staff. No, as general treasurer, you set the agenda. You set how you're going to invest that pension money. If I was a state officer now, if I was a state employee, if I belong to a union, I would not want James Diorza as my treasurer. I would want Jim Lathrop, who actually talks about, I care about money. He took Portsmouth, Westerly, and North Kingstown, and he made them good, financially stable, 
um, towns. What may give Diosa cover? Look, media isn't what it used to be, and all the air is going to get sucked out of the room with the governor's race and CD2. You wonder how much focus there's going to be. And and look, if it comes down to Democrat-Republican, unfortunately for you, it's an overwhelmingly well, Democratic... Unfo certainly unfortunate for any member of a union in Rhode Island, and certainly unfortunate for the state of it, Rhode it Island. It may be, but the coverage, you know. I'd say two things. I, I, I think that if you look at James Diosa's record in Central Falls, as a mayor overall, it's a big success story. He's done. He's, he, the place has improved. He, he deserves a lot of credit for getting that the, this the city on the right track. Admittedly, there was there was state fiscal supervision initially. That doesn't mean he didn't get on the right track. He's a smart guy. He will hire as as all treasurers do, and they listen to advice. He will he will he will have good investment advice and make sound investment decisions. I do think it's a competitive race. I, I agree with Sue on that. But, but I think you can really underestimate James Diosa. I think people have underestimated him in the primary and his appeal and his, and, his, and his smarts and his ability to hire good people. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I, I kind of agree with, with Rob on this one, just that I think I thought the winner of this primary was going to come out pretty battered and bruised. I thought it was going to be a relatively close race. Um, now, you know, when, if you're for somebody like James Diosa, similarly, I think Sabina Matos is lieutenant governor. When you have a pretty strong performance coming out of the primary on the Democratic side, you're in a much better shape than, say, Governor McKee, who, you know, is is, is kind of stumbling out of uh, out of his primary. So I do agree. I think from I've talked to Jim Lathrop and, and you know, not only was he, uh, I think, a finance director in, in a bunch of different places in Rhode Island, I think he was in London, Connecticut, which is a real city. That's a, you know, a, a relatively large place in Connecticut. So he's going to be competitive. His question is, this will, I can guarantee that the voter will not go into, you know, on election day and say, boy, you know, I remember who Jim is going to hire versus who, who, who know, Jim who, is. Who, yeah. yeah. And so you, the, the challenge with, with a race that should require some substance is there probably won't be a ton of substance going forward. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And, and I agree with you, James, yours is a very nice gentlemen and that's appealing to voters but i think they have to start looking beneath that and saying come on you know we we had a pension crisis we still have you know they're not getting colas the unions aren't getting colas who is in best position to financially handle that and i believe it is uh, jim lathrop cd2 going to be a lot of national money coming in going to be a, a lot of national focus at this point tell me the path for each candidate here I think the path for both candidates or the big question is where does Warwick go, right? If you, obviously, former Mayor Fung is going to do very well in his own backyard. He's very popular, uh, you know, in that district, won in 2014 against Gina Raimondo, won the second district. So he's got a great path to victory. Seth Magaziner, again, Democrats come home. Seth Magaziner, you know, is coming very strong out of his primary. I think a lot of us thought he wouldn't get 50% of the vote. He cleared that threshold pretty well. And so he needs to combat the, the Allen Fung strength in Cranston with a similar number of votes. You got to look at Warwick. I think it's going to be a nationalized race. So, so Fung's strengths, which are, you know, as a retail politician, um, you see, for, um, are, are not going to be as strong as they would be. Um, congressional races, particularly general elections, have come about choosing up teams. I think Fung gets hurt very much by the by the Dobbs decision on abortion, um, and I think the the general sort of trend back to um, 
a picture that's more favorable to the Democrats nationally. And, and Magaziner, they both have a lot of money. Magaziner will make it, be able to make his case on national issues. So I, so I, I think just because of the races, I'd give Magaziner a, you know, an edge. It's going to be competitive, though. Like a lot of these, it should be fun. Oh, it's going to be close. <laughs> you know, I don't want anybody to sit back and say either one of these gentlemen have it in the bag because they don't. It's going to be a very tight race. I, I agree with Dan. I think Warwick is going to be one of the keys. You know, who does well there? Mayor Fung, of course. As goes Warwick, so goes yes. the nation. <laughs> They'll be the so nation. excited. Exactly. <laughs> Kevin Warwick. McCarthy will be hanging out at the Warwick Mall. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, they, Cranston always, I always tease Cranston and say they think they're the center of, of Rhode Island, that, you know, everything revolves around Cranston. I think this time it's going to be Warwick. You know, Rob makes a good point, though, and John Chafee for years said, look, it, the Congress is going to go back and forth. Isn't it good to have somebody in the in the uh, minority party or the majority party, obviously, but the, but the parties have changed so much now. So I'm not sure that people, and certainly it's not the Republican Party that John Chafee was in. I wonder if Alan Fung makes that argument or whether things are so toxic kind of nationally, whether you want to stay away from that. Well, I think, you know, it, it is a, uh, still a good argument to make that we, the Republicans are going to take over power. Wouldn't we like to have somebody in there that can bring home the bacon to Rhode Island? Um, I think, you know, Jim Langevin has sat there for 22 years. He's a very nice gentleman. But did he really bring anything back? No, I think Jack Reed did. I think Jack Reed was is an exceptional senator that he always, you know, uh, takes care of Rhode Island. And I think Alan, um, being, being in the majority party when he gets there in January, will take very good care of the second district. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'm Alan Fung, I don't want to talk about national politics at all, right? I want to talk about... Remember, and he's not. <laughs> right. And, it, and it's, it's a little bit of, you know, the, it's that retail politics. It's the, I'm the mayor that jumps in the pool with the suit on, right? Ha, ha, ha. And people like him for that reason. I mean, he came... There was polling that showed when he was leaving the mayor's office, he was more popular than almost anybody in Cranston. Or he was way more popular than anybody in Cranston. He, he feels pretty good if he can just keep issues, if, if the voters give him the benefit of the doubt because they know him and like him. And, and Seth Magazine is going to have the compelling point here too, which is he's going to nationalize the race. And in Rhode Island, I think the the sort of the, those big picture issues, choice, things like that, gun control stuff. Generally speaking, Rhode Islanders tend to side with the more the Democrats on this. Yeah, but what did Seth Magaziner come out with? You know, the Republicans are going to take your Social Security and Medicare away from you. I went, let's get out, let's grow from the 90s. I mean, I just couldn't believe that that's what he was talking about. I don't think there's any Republican talking about taking away Social Security, and I can guarantee you that is not going to be well, an issue. Well, but there that's is actually Senator Rick Scott. Okay, but, no, but that's who's it, the head it, of the Democrat. Uh, but Republican that's a Senate. Senate. And that's, no, and that's ridiculous. And that's ridiculous because there's isn't, no but saying, way but there any, are any of us but, but, but let me, want to talk about I that. I think the analogous race, I'm, and I may say this before and lively, so, so uh -oh. the rest of the show's not uh -oh. a rerun. Rock the tape. The rest of the show's uh -oh. not a rerun. It's the 2006 race. Uh, Lincoln Chafee was very personally popular. He was actually a good 62%. senator. 62%. And, and Sheldon White just beat him because it was nationalized and it was about is he going to be the... 50th vote for, for supporting George Bush. I think you have a, a similar dynamic here. You have Kevin McCarthy. Is he going to be the, the, the winning vote for, for Kevin McCarthy to be the speaker? He, is he going to be the winning vote so that the House passes an abortion ban, et cetera, et cetera? I, I, I think it's a competitive race. I think it's hard for, for Alan Fung to overcome that. And he's not the most agile on these issues. He's already screwed up the abortion thing four ways from Sunday because he tries to be everything to everybody won't distance himself completely from Trump. I think all those things in this race 
because it's nationalized, are, are, are going to make Seth a favorite, I'll, but it's a close race. I'll give you a, another race that I, I think it's a lot like. The demographics are a bit different, but go back to 2010, John Laughlin, David Cicilline. It's where David Cicilline made Social Security maybe the number one issue in that race. John Laughlin had a slip-up at some point. I think he called it a Ponzi scheme, and he, he would say, that's probably what cost me the race because I didn't quite articulate that it wasn't what I... I didn't want to cut Social Cicilline Security. Cicilline didn't right. want to talk about Providence finance. And, and by the way, yeah. he, wanted to right. talk he left about it in a Category 5. Yeah, exactly. By the way, for another reason, that's a good example. Cicilline was, was, was not popular at that point because of the financial Providence, problems. Yeah. And he, and he still won that race relatively comfortably because it was nationalized. But John also was deployed over... Sees. Yeah, you know, that was 12 and 10, though. Yeah. He yeah, was yeah. the. And, yeah. and he, but he was a great. Look, Loughlin, he was a great that was when he was right What, what John Laughlin yeah. would say is if he had two more weeks, he'd have won the race. Right. Yeah. Well, you know what? Helena Folks probably said the same thing, yeah. and so did John Robitaille. Yeah. This is my so, outrage of the week. They, by the way. Vote, <laughs> yeah. they vote on the day that said. And then look what happened ago. after 2010. The census came in and they redistricted that, so Cicilline yes. made it so, so much stronger. All right, so let's do outrages and or kudos. Sue, let's begin with you this I think the outrage has to be the way that Dan McKee, as a winner reacted to Helena Fox, and uh, the apology came way too late. You know, the, when he said, does she have a brain in her head? I mean, this woman ran CVS Pharmacy. She is certainly an accomplished woman, and it was very offensive to me. So that is definitely my outrage. What do you got? My outrage is Governor Ron DeSantis uh, playing politics with people's lives. Um, we can all agree there's a problem at the border sending Venezuelan migrants who came here seeking asylum because in this case there's a left-wing authoritarian government in Venezuela, six million people have left, to Martha's Vineyard so you can own the libs and get on Tucker Carlson when you got kids going there and they're not equipped to handle all that is, is, is treating people as if they're less than human and it's inexcusable. Dan, what do you have? Well, I want to give love to my uh, panelists here who are, who are, you know, are in the kind of consulting and, and political business. But I got to tell you, you both know when the election is, right? We, we, know, we know when the election is because the number, the number of people calling me and telling me if Helena Folks had two more weeks, right. if this one had another month. Remember it was in 2010, it was John Robitaille, if he had another month. Guys, we all know when the election is. We know how to do this. You never hear Bill Belichick say, if I just got to overtime, we would have won the game. Yeah. And that's what happens constantly in this race. I, 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 I somewhat disagree with, with uh, something uh, Rob said before. I don't think Helena Folks ran a very good campaign at all. I think she ran a good 12-day campaign, not 12-month, and that's what it takes to be the governor. Let's quickly, in the last couple of minutes, Rob, we were talking off-camera. If it would have been two months ago, let's snapshot in time, we would have thought the House would be definitely going to the Republicans, maybe the Senate, maybe not. Things have changed. I don't know. Sue will probably think that the House is still going, but let's start with you in terms of House and Senate nationally. Yeah, I, I think the Republicans still have an advantage in the House, um, even though the generic ballot now has the Democrats slightly ahead, but just the way the districts are cut, they have to be f further ahead. I do think um, it's better than even money that the Democrats will hold the Senate. And then once again, we can thank Donald Trump for a series of just terrible candidates in key races like Arizona, Dan Bolduck in New Hampshire, which probably means Maggie Hassan wins, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Thank you, uh, thank you, former President Trump, from, from this Democrat's point of view. So what about nationally? Yeah, I would have to agree. I'm going to agree with Rob. Wait a minute. Wow. No, I'm going to agree. I'm going to agree with him. Uh, your assessment, I think, is spot on. I think we're going to take the House. I think the Senate is tight. And, and 
really, it is quality of candidates. I mean, I am so proud of the people that stepped up for local races in Rhode Island. The Republicans actually have some great quality yeah, candidates sorry, this time. Yeah, we didn't even get to that. But yeah, no, we really uh, do. Yeah. And I think it gives people a choice. But you have to understand the environment and the state that you live in. And some of the candidates on the Senate, I question whether or not they understand the constituents that they are. Uh, well, the problem going is, Dr. Oz doesn't live in Pennsylvania, but that's no, he does. Right. But come on, uh, Dr. Fetterman, not Dr. Fetterman. Fetterman, you know, I, I look at this gentleman and said, here is another sad example of someone who probably is not healthy enough to run the race. Yeah, that's going to. I mean, that's and be that a is just terrible. Twenty seconds on that. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I, I hate to be boring. I agree with with both of these guys. I think the oh Repo gosh. Republicans we keep have the House, a Democrats, <laughs> yeah, Democrats keep the Senate. And I think, look, you, you know, the the one to watch in the Senate is that Herschel Walker running. By the way, an awful candidate, but a hero in that right. in, in that state. So. Let's do, we'll do the unity holding up at the end of the live. <laughs> we'll all hold hands and uh, go on to the general election, folks. It is a quick thirty minutes. Dan, thank you so much, and Sue. Good luck in your races, Rob. And uh, folks, come back here next week. It is a sprint now, eight weeks, less than eight weeks, to the general election. We'll be here to cover it all. We hope you have a great week and come back next week as the Lively Experiment continues. Experiment is generously underwritten by. Hi, I'm John Hazenwhite Jr. For over 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.